From the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. Blues have the puck in their own zone. Breakout pass connects with Cairo. Slides into the zone. Beats the middle and a backdoor sprawling save by Patera. Closing to his left on Torobchenko. This is the press box. Who will control the puck? Blues get it again down towards the goal. Patera makes a great save. Reaching out on Sammy Blay. Challenging him at the top of the crease. With Graney and Bischoff. Butchnevich deals across to the left. 15 seconds to go. Shen on the high right. They want a shot. An attempt goes wide. Petrangelo picks it up. Clears towards the goal. He scores! 195 feet away. Alex Petrangelo. Empty net goal. On ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here he goes. Monday. Ed, Jared, Tyler. Finally light out. Such clocks, do you remember, did you remember? I don't have to remember. What do you mean, did I remember? Did you remember? Everybody's phone does it on their no, own. No, not your phone. Your other clocks in the house. Like the, the Did I remember? Uh, no. I woke up the next day and said, why is the oven at the wrong time? And changed it. I remembered. <laughs> I remembered. Did you change it ahead of time? No. Okay. Just waited. Waited till uh, the next day. He, the, he waited uh, till like 2 a.m. Did the uh, microwave, yes. did the oven. You were up at 2 a.m. ready for it to actually <laughs> yes. happen and go plug it in. Did the oven, did the microwave. Yeah. yeah. Big day. I, I had no idea <laughs> until I woke up the next day and was like, ah, the oven. You lost a an hour. Time. Yeah, it's not fun. No, it's not fun at all. The only noticeable difference in my life is that my dogs don't know when they're supposed to get fed. That's true. Because normally they start barking like 30 minutes before we feed them. But right. this weekend, nope. Don't, they don't know what time it is. They kept so, sleeping? Yeah, they didn't know what time it was. So they didn't, beautiful. they didn't annoy me for food. Yeah, same with the bulldog. He kept sleeping. Kept snoring. He's like, why are you up screwing with the oven? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and the microwave. Have to have both. And they're right next to each other. Have, I have a lot of clocks around the house. Oh, so now are you stuck with the uh, the microwave is one minute different than the oven? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yesterday was 11.46 and then 11.45. The bane of his existence, yes, apparently. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh, wait, how many Thanks. clocks do you have in your house? Two. The microwave and the oven. Oh, okay. All right. You said you had a lot of clocks around. That's a lot, though. Most people just have their phones. Well, everybody's got a microwave and an oven. Well, I mean, we have iPads and stuff. I mean, we have stuff with the time Hold on. on. Jared's about to tell us something ridiculous, like he's got clocks on the wall. You have real clocks? I have three uh, alarm clocks oh, plus yeah, my you phone. Oh, yeah, wake up. Yeah, that's right. He struggles to wake up. You have three in the same room? Yep. And two of them do the thing where they vibrate your bed. And I have them set at alternating times so that if I can't reach one, the other one wakes me up. Man. He used to have an alarm. He might still have it. He used to have an alarm on his phone that he had to do math problems to get it to I shut still off. do. That you had to do like two plus two? No. It's a little like, more complicated than that. Like, well, I mean, it's 38 <laughs> divided by two plus 16, and then it and it won't, like, you can't get it to stop screaming until, until you, you put get the right answer? Yeah. So then you're really up. Mm. I've gotten very good at doing math half awake. <laughs> oh, God. As you guys should know. The first bite. Do the Golden Knights have the five best goalies in the West? Does not matter who's in net for these people. Not at all. You, me, Jared, the degenerate. It would not matter. It does not matter who's in goal for these guys. So here's a couple of fun stats for you. If you look at just the Pacific division, the goaltenders in this division suck. Uh, the top 20 goalies in the entire NHL by goals saved above expected. 
there are only two from the Pacific Division, and one of them is Jonas Corposalo, who L.A. just got. So there are only two goalies in the top 20 this year that are Pacific Division goalies, and one of them has played like four games in the Pacific. Since the All-Star break, the Golden Knights have the third best save percentage in the league. They have played five goalies. Yeah, with five guys. Since the All-Star break. Like, there's not like, oh, one guy's on a heater since the All-Star break. They've played five different guys, and they have the third best save percentage in the league since the All-Star break. And here here you go. Jake or uh, Logan Thompson's only played one game out of 9-5-8. Jonathan Quick has played two, or excuse me, three. Three. three has a 9-3-9. Laurent Brossois played three before his injury, has a 9-3-6. Aiden Hill played nine since the All-Star break. He has a 9-3-1. And then Yuri Patera, what a bum he is, is only at 9-0-9 in his first career start. Like, it does, they're all great. They're the five best goalies in the Pacific Division. Darren Millard's the worst goalie on the team. <laughs> <laughs> and the way they're going, Millsy would have a 9.01. Right. It'd be great. Put him in there. So the Gold Knights goaltending situation, I, I think it's a credit to Bruce Cassidy and his system, Bruce Cassidy and his defensive scheme. They do a really good job at not giving up a lot of high danger chances. There have been some games in this stretch, not to completely discredit the goalies. There have been some games since the All-Star break where the Golden Knights give up a lot of high danger chances, right? Both Laurent Brossois and, and Aiden Hill had some phenomenal games. But for the most part, the Golden Knights don't force their goalies to make multiple huge changes. great saves. Huge, huge saves. And because of that, their save percentages are generally high, and they don't really give up a lot of goals, and it's gotten to a point where, yeah, as long as you're just sort of an average goalie back there, you're going to put up pretty good numbers with this team. Quickie's looking like his old self. He, this guy's the greatest goalie I in the mean, league. Come on. Got a shutout. 3-0, shutout. He's looking like the old quick. His save percentage is 939. And what was it? was eight to something before he eight, came on. Eight nine. six or something yeah, like that. Yeah, in LA this year, he's he's got as many shutouts with the Golden Knights as he did with the Kings this year. He's been here for like two weeks. Guy's got more games with above nine hundred save percentage than he has since like Thanksgiving with the Kings. <laughs> like yeah, just go to Vegas, you'll be perfectly fine. Which is uh, great for me because I can tell you goalies don't matter. Just plug any guy in there and they'll be fine. How about Yuri Patera? First, first start. First start. Good for yeah. him. And and listen, I think Patera is the perfect example of this because St. Louis, their expected goals in that game was 3.05. Patera gave up three, right? That's right on average. His 909 save percentage is uh, basically right on average across the NHL in terms of what you'd expect the average goalie save percentage to be. And they got the win because they scored more than three goals. And I think that's a perfect example of nobody's expecting Yuri Patera to be a good NHL no, goalie, right? He's the not. fifth string guy. Right. He's technically sixth because Robin Leonard's number one and is out the whole year, but he's the sixth guy. And he goes in there, plays perfectly fine, and they win a game. And it's like, okay, so they can just kind of plug in, not completely atrocious. Right. And they'll be fine. And even in some cases, Jonathan Quick was atrocious in LA this year. And three he's and fine. He's and 3 0. Since the All-Star break is over a month now, I don't know. It's not really a big sample size, but we're also but it's not, not really a small sample we're size. We're not talking about a week. Right. We're not talking about two weeks. Like right. So it's 
fascinating how good they've been regardless of who's in net. And I think a lot of the credit should go to Bruce Cassidy and the six defensemen, right? They have a really good defensive group. I think that's where a lot of the credit should go. Would you have called your parents in the Czech Republic oh, at 2.45 right. in the morning? Would you, you have done that? Yuri Patera is from the Czech Republic. Gets his first career NHL start. When the game ended, it was approximately 2.45 a.m. in uh, the Czech Republic. And Patera told Ashley Weiss on the postgame show that he was going to go call his parents. He didn't care what time it was, and they better still be awake. I think my parents would still be awake. Watching or listening or trying to see right. it. I don't, I don't know what the TV broadcast deal is in <laughs> is the Czech AT, Republic. Is AT&T in the Czech <laughs> Republic? I they're watching, it, is, on, they're, they're is, watching is, it on one of those sites that has like 9,000 pop-up yeah. is, is, is Millsy now in the Czech Republic? I would have had to have paid a friend to help my parents illegally stream my game in the Czech Republic. <laughs> right. Because that's how they would have had to watch it. Uh, but yes, I 100% would have called them after my first game because they better still be awake. I just played in the NHL. You better be. It's great. But yeah, so... Couldn't make it. Play, and actually, how short a notice was this? Fly him over? Get him on a plane? Where's Foley's got those helicopters from the videos? <laughs> get him over here. Send a, send a private charter to get Yuri Patera's parents so they can come watch him play. Who yeah, cares about I, going halfway across the world? Get him over here. Fully be fully be okay with it, I bet. He's probably in England already watching his soccer team. They right. finally won a game. Go get him. Just get on your... Czech Republic's not that far from England. Go get him. Would have been better that way. Um, the other fun part of yesterday's game, Pavel Dorofeyev scored his first career NHL goal. Sixth career game. He played a few last year and has played a few this year. He scored with his helmet. Yeah, that was beautiful. Puck rebounds, bounces up in the air, off his visor, into the back of the net. That's... Would Would you rather score that way or, like, break away and you beat the goalie clean? I think break away. Are you sure? Because yes. I think I want that. No, it's the I funniest thing that away. could happen. I don't know if I would consider it funny. <laughs> he did. He was, he was, was he laughing? laughing. Oh, he scored. He laughed for, like, 30 seconds afterwards. I think I want the breakaway one-on-one. I think I want a one-on-one breakaway. All right. Genuine question is, how many more goals do you score in your career? Like, if Pavel Dorofeyev is only going to score, like, 10 career NHL goals, then I probably want all 10 of them to be, like, pretty goals. But if Pavel Dorofeyev goes on and has a decent career, scores, scores like, 200 career goals over, like, 10 years or something, that'd be a pretty good career, actually. So maybe a little less than that. But then, yeah, I'll take the hilarious one. Hey, I'll just score your first goal. Well... It, it bounced off my head. eyeballs <laughs> and went in the back of the net. It's great. Do they get the pucks? Yes. Yeah. The Unless pucks. the other team like steals it from them. Yeah, they get it out of the net and, and give it to him. And then they put a the little tape on it that says first okay. career goal right. and you hold it up for that. I didn't actually see that picture from the Golden Knights last night, but yeah. They usually, usually get do the that. Pucks. Yeah. Um, the fun parts, though. Will, uh, Pavel Dorofeyev plays with William Carlson and Riley Smith last night. That line had the highest expected goals rate for the Golden Knights last night at 87%. That line produced six of the 10 high danger chances that the Golden Knights had at five on five. They scored two goals. Carlson had one as well, while not allowing any. And individually, Dora Feyev led the Golden Knights in individual expected goals, right? Dora Feyev and that line were very good 
last night. Like, this was not, like, Dorfeyev, you know, quote-unquote, deserved a goal last night. It wasn't just, hey, he was terrible and happened to get one. He was actually very good, had multiple chances, and they're very injured at the moment. Obviously, Stone's out, but they're also missing Carrier, Waugh, and Keegan Colasar, right? But the way Dorfeyev played, he might be in consideration actually be in the lineup even if they're healthy. That's a small sample size. I mean, it is. It <laughs> is. One, one game. But he looks pretty good in that game. And maybe it's because they played St. Louis, who wasn't who's not that good. They're not terrible, but they're not very good. But based on that game, I mean, Pavel Dorofeyev's better than Phil Kessel. Well, what's that saying at this point? Does Phil Kessel, Kessel's played in every Kessel, damn game. Kessel still play? He I does. Know, I didn't even know he was they still in the lineup. Kessel hasn't done anything in like a year, right. but... It's been actually, a long time. Actually, he had that he had that few week uh, pattern where he was actually right. pretty good, and then Will Carrier got hurt, and right. now they're not any good. He actually Kessel was laying on the goal line to help stop a goal with Yuri Patera last night. So I shouldn't say he hasn't done anything, but that's not exactly why Phil Castle's in the lineup. So I Pavel Dorofeyev put him in the lineup <laughs> even when they start getting a little well, healthier. Put him in against Philly, yeah, because see if it still works. I think one of the biggest. Uh, Fears of this team in the postseason is something we've seen in the past. They're going to get to the postseason and the scoring might dry up. They're not going to score. I don't know that Dorofeyev is like, oh, he's absolutely going to score. But if you're looking around looking for offense, he might be a decent option if you're trying to find somebody. Hey, how do we find some offensive production? And given how much Cassie likes to change his lines up, he seems to be somebody you can put as a winger on like a second line. And maybe it's not the ideal scenario, but... Maybe it works out because he played really well with Carlson and Smith last night. All right, coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, the NCAA tournament bracket is out. Um, Dana Tate to inbound. Tate off the entry. Bankston. Bankston goes baseline. Chris lays it up. Won't go. Buzzer. Ball game. Bison are going dancing all over from the scope in Norfolk, Virginia for the first time. Since 1992, there's a bison in the dance. They hold off the Spartans by a final of 65 to 64. Wasn't easy, but it ain't supposed to be. The bison, for the first time in 31 years, win the MEAC tournament by a final count of 65 Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios, this is The Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. I believe that is the Howard play-by-play call. Phenomenal. Can that guy call every game (laughs) of the NCAA tournament? Once Howard gets eliminated, that guy needs to keep calling games. (laughs) I don't care who it is, but keep calling games because he's great. Uh, the NCAA tournament bracket is here. Let's start with the Mountain West. Look at the respect wow. from the committee. And, and here's the other thing. Utah State as a 10 was never in Not question. even close not to the bubble. Tell that the bubble. They were in. Yes. No problem for Utah State. Four Mountain West teams are in. San Diego State got a five. Boise State and Utah State are 10s. And Nevada was the last, last team, team in the bracket in the NCAA tournament. Oklahoma State was the first team out, which means the committee, when comparing those two teams, went with the mid-major and not the Power 5 team. Uh, Oklahoma State 
did not have a great record by any means, but obviously they played in the Big 12, which is a very, very good conference this year. But they got left out while Nevada was put in, despite Nevada losing its last three games of the year to three teams that are not in the NCAA tournament. So two years in a row, the Mountain West has gotten pretty good respect from the selection committee. Four teams in each year. Coaches in the conference got to stop complaining about it now, right? Go win some games. Go win some games and you'll get in. Good for them. So overall, getting four teams in, the Mountain West had the same number as the Pac-12 and just one team below what the ACC and the Big East got in. So the SEC and the Big Ten kind of blew everybody away with how many teams they got in, but the and the Big 12 as well, but the, the ACC 12. and the Big East just above the Mountain West, and then the Pac-12 actually right there uh, with the same amount of teams. How many games does this conference win? In the first round, I think they win two. Okay. I think they win two games. So San Diego State is a five, is playing Charleston, who's like point 30 and three or whatever their yeah. record was this year. Uh, Boise State plays Northwestern in a 7 10. Utah State plays Missouri in a 7 10. And then Nevada's got a play in game against Arizona State. If they win that, they will play TCU in the round of 64. So you think they win two rounds of 64 two. The games? The number at the books is one and a half. Okay. So San Diego State. Is a favorite. I Four would assume you're thinking they're one of the I two. I think they're one of the two. Who's the other one? Boise State over Northwestern. I think Boise State wins too. Uh, I'm fascinated to see Utah State, Missouri, because Desiree Reed. Oh, I forgot she's there. But CAD. Utah State. If you look at like Ken Palm, right? They are a top 20 team in the country, and Missouri is in the 50s by a Ken Palm rating. Utah State should win that game. Uh, but I think Missouri wins I do too. overall. And one of the interesting things was looking at Missouri. They are bottom 10 in the country in defensive rebounding rate. Like they give up, up just a ton of offensive rebounds. But Utah State's one of the Mountain West teams that does not offensive rebound. There's a couple of them. Wyoming does it too. That they just they don't even care about getting offensive rebounds. They just it's just get back on defense. Don't give up any transition points. So we're not even going to try to get offensive rebounds. But that's like one of the big things about Missouri and Utah State doesn't really try to exploit that. So I think two is the right number. I think if Nevada gets past Arizona State, they have a decent shot at beating TCU. Really? Uh, I'm going to pick TCU in my bracket, I but. I don't think it's I I'd put it this way. I don't think it'd be that crazy if any of the four won. Obviously San Diego State's a favorite, but I don't think it's that crazy if any of the other three actually won their round of sixty four game. No. Like it wouldn't shock me. Now, the problem is that Boise State and Utah State win, they get a two seed. And right. probably lose. basically over, right? Basically I mean over. Two one seeds are historically a lot more likely to just blow out the eight or the nine than the two seeds are the seven or the ten, but it's still tough. What Boise gets UCLA if they win? Yes, that's pretty tough. Yeah, yeah. Boise's path is UCLA and then would be Gonzaga, Gonzaga in the if 16. they beat that. That's tough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a tough two three. West to is get tough, through. man. Yeah, to West get is through. Really tough. Um, now, one last thing on Mountain West teams, UNLV officially. 10 straight years without going to the NCAA tournament. It's the longest drought in program history. Um, Eight of the 11 Mountain West teams have made the NCAA tournament in the last decade, and the only three that have not done it are Air Force, San Jose State, and UNLV. When do they go again? That's a tough one, man. 
I don't even know who's going to be on the roster next year. I wish I did. <laughs> I don't know who's coming back. I don't know. You know, I think he'll dive into the portal again. I think he'll have to dive into the portal again. Yeah. Um, for four or five guys. So, I don't know. I mean, I wish I knew who was coming out of the portal. But like you said last week, they're not going to get top 50 guys usually because those guys go to the Power 5 schools. So, you really have to make good decisions out of the portal uh, and get guys that can play. Um, I don't know. Let me ask you this. If we took a decade of UNLV basketball, and let's just say the next 10 years, what is the fair amount of NCAA tournaments to expect UNLV to go to over a 10-year span? Is it wrong of me to think it's three, three? or four? Like I was going to say three right away. Like UNLV should be, and UNLV should be good enough, and they're in a conference that is not horrendous, right? They're not in no, a one-bid conference no, every exactly. year. And over a decade, I feel like they should be in the tournament three times. Yeah. And, you know, you're going to have a handful of years where you're just not any good at all. And then there's probably there's be, other years you're on the bubble and right. don't make it. And maybe you're in the NIT. NIT. And I think that's probably the fair expectation for this program to have gone a decade with zero. And it's the first time they've ever gone a decade with zero since they made the jump to Division, Division one. one. That's that's a tough, tough decade for a program that should be better than this. Not a... Don't have to not not talking about winning games, not talking about Sweet Sixteens, not even talking about conference titles. Just simply qualifying. Well, for the just NCAA simply tournament. be one of these four, right? How are they not a Utah State? How are they not a Nevada? How are they not a, a Boise, Boise State, State this year? They should be able to do all that. Yeah. All right, with the bracket, we'll get more into this. Um, is there anyone that's not a top two seed that you think can win the national title? Gonzaga, as a three seed, as a three seed. It'd be funny if they won this year, wouldn't it? Yeah, because it's the one year they're not a one seed, and it's one year you don't see a lot of people, you know. The guys on ESPN, some guys on ESPN picked them yesterday. I think Billis might have picked them, and someone else picked them uh, to win it all. Um, I don't know. They really, I say Gonzaga, and they have Timmy and Strother, but it's not the Gonzagas of recent no. years. It's not the, oh, wow, this is the most no. dominant team in college basketball, no. which the last two years they've but gone be, in is like, which, this team's unbelievable. Again, would make it funnier if they right. won it this year. This is the one that gets it done when you're like, right. oh, they weren't quite as good. They lost a game. St. Mary's got the one seed right. in, the, in the WCC. All right. Coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, we'll jump into some NFL. Free agency is upon us with Q Myers. Does this Packers organization believe that Jordan Love could be the face of the franchise, the future, the starting QB for this team? Yeah, we have a lot of confidence in him. We drafted him and developed him. A lot of credit goes to our coaches, you know, and to, and to Jordan. No, but uh, we do think he's ready. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Joining us now is Q Myers. You can hear him over on Raider Nation Radio every day from 2 to 5 on Unnecessary Roughness. Good morning, Q. Hey, Q. Hey, good morning. How you guys doing today? Good. All right. For for at least a minute here, let's forget about the fact that the Raiders do not have a quarterback uh, not named Chase Garbers. <laughs> Who are they going to sign in free agency outside of that position? Or what positions do you think are going to be the highest priority for the Raiders? Well, I think it's got to be defense. I think Ed would agree that the defensive side of the ball needs the most uh, attention. And with all the draft capital that they have, I think that they can fill in other holes offensively uh, in the draft. But they really got to go heavy on defense. So I'm looking at the priorities being linebacker. I'm really targeting like Tremaine Edmonds from Buffalo. He's still a young dude. And that's kind of the priority for me when it comes to free agency and the Raiders. They're not one 
you know, 30-year-old that could be a stud player away from getting over the top, right, that one missing piece. They need to have some young guys to build around. So a guy like Tremaine Edmonds, again, he's only 24 right now, he'll be 25 next season. I think that'd be a really good starting point for him. Uh, I look at safety as something that could be a concern. I think they're going to try to bring Jerron Harmon back, but Trayvon Merrick, is he going to be good? You know, I mean, there's a step back that he took last year, and I like him, uh, but he has a lot to prove. So the safety position may be something that they need to go target. Um, and cornerback, why not? Why not secondary? You know, cornerback as well. Uh, even like a guy like Byron Murphy out of Arizona. I know he ended the season last year on, on IR, but – uh, he's still a young dude. He's only 25 years old. I don't think he's going to require a whole lot of money. But uh, guys like that, I think those are the kind of guys that you could build around and start to really start to put that, that defense together like Patrick Graham wants. How fast do you think they'll do this? How judicious will they be with their money? I don't know. You know, that's a good question because last year during this time, right, the legal tampering period, everyone thought that Dave Ziegler was uh, asleep at the wheel. You know, it's like, <laughs> hey, he does know that he can make some moves and he can talk to somebody, right? I mean, there was nothing – and then all of a sudden, after, uh, after the new league year opened up, we found out about Chandler Jones. And then immediately after that, we found out about Devontae Adams. So uh, I, I feel like with about $43 million in, in cap space, they're going to probably make some noise today. Uh, I think that they would have to, especially if they're going to go after a guy, like I mentioned, like a Tremaine Edmonds. So I think many teams are going to have a lot, of, uh, you know, a lot of focus in on. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. If they get some of these lower names, smaller guys, you know, like like I said, like a Byron Murphy, that may be something that we don't hear about until the new league year opens up. But if you're going after a couple of these bigger names, like I think that they should, uh, they would have to, and in my opinion, have to get something done today and tomorrow. Whether it's free agency or even potentially their first or second round pick in the draft, how big of a priority should edge rusher be for this team? Or is it more of a situation where they just are hoping Chandler Jones has a bounce back season next year? No, I think it's a priority. I really do, and I think the interior and the defensive line is a priority as well. Defensive tackle position, I like Deron Payne a lot. I put him on the wish list, and, well, Washington put him on the wish list too. <laughs> so Washington was not letting him get out, but $90 million deal, good for him. But he had 11 and a half sacks from the defensive uh, tackle position last year for Washington. Uh, that's a guy that I was really targeting. But they need a guy like that, right? And they might be able to get one in the draft. Uh, but they need some of that collapse the pocket. I thought Andrew Billings did a good job for what he was worth, uh, you know, but he's not a guy that's going to collapse the pocket. He can stop the run. He's kind of like that little fire hydrant type guy, uh, small and stocky, but he's really strong. So I like that, but he shouldn't be a starter. So they need some interior help, but they do need someone to book in with Max Crosby and make Chandler Jones more of a situational pass rusher. I think his contract doesn't allow him to be uh, let go <laughs> this year to say, the, the least, I think that they have to bring him back just because of what the contract looks like. But they do need someone that they consistently uh, get after the quarterback. Maybe it's Tyree Wilson. Maybe they go after their first pick. Uh, maybe the edge rusher out of Texas Tech. He's long and lanky, kind of similar to, to Max Crosby. But, man, he can get after the quarterback. So um, that might be a good help. And also try to keep Max fresh. Right? How many times do you see him throughout the course of a game? He plays the whole game. And when it comes finishing time, he doesn't have a whole lot left in the tank. So I think that for multiple reasons, edge rusher definitely needs to be a priority. Where would you stop the price of Jimmy Garoppolo? Where would you say that's too much? Oh, man, it's already too much. <laughs> <laughs> it's already too much, man. I, I'm telling you, I've never rooted so, so hard against a guy to be signed by a team. Man. I, just, I just don't get it. I know that Jimmy G, his career record is good, but... I just don't see it, man. I don't see what he brings to the table besides familiarity with 
uh, Josh McDaniels, and I don't think that that's really worth a whole lot as far as, I, I don't know, as far as I'm concerned. But um, as far as the money goes, he's going to get good money. I mean, look, the supply and demand's not there. It's not, there's not a whole lot of quarterbacks available. Um, so I think that you'd have to stop around $30 million, uh, and I still think that's a lot of money for Jimmy G. But whatever, it'll be fun six games for him, right? And then he'll get injured and be out of there. So I don't know what team he's going to go to. I'm hoping Houston pulls the trigger on that one, but we'll see what happens. As Tyler said, um, the Raiders will have a quarterback not named Chase Carver. So <laughs> if they don't do anything fun with their first-round pick and draft a quarterback or trade up to get a quarterback, whatever it is, if they end up going with some – group of veterans, whether it's Stidham and Jimmy Garoppolo or whoever, is there one of those guys, Baker Mayfield might be going to Tampa, Jacoby Brissett, maybe Jameis Winston becomes available. Is there any of those sort of second tier, whatever tier it is, third tier of quarterbacks that you like for them to go get? Not really. I mean, you know, that's kind of the problem. That's kind of the position that they're in. There's nothing that really makes you say, oh man, that would be exciting. Or, oh man, that's going to be the guy that puts them over the top. Honestly, I think that they should be picking up the phone and making a call for Lamar Jackson. Not that I don't think it's going to happen, but the worst that could happen is they say no. I mean, that's that's the best option out there at the quarterback position as far as I'm concerned is Lamar. But, again, I mean, it takes a whole lot of money and obviously a lot of work to get go get it done. But, I mean, now with Carolina making that move to the number one spot in the draft, you know that two quarterbacks are going to be off the board immediately. So are you in love with a Will Levis or Anthony Richardson? Probably not. You know, so, I mean, I – I'm so confused on what the Raiders are going to do with their quarterback position, man. If you told me right now this is what they're going to do with you, I'd buy it because I don't, I don't have any idea. <laughs> so confused. Would you have, uh, if you had to structure it similarly, would you have done what Carolina did? Yeah, I think that they did okay. I honestly thought that the, the trade was going to be they had to give up more capital. I mean, they went from 9 to 1. And, I mean, I know D.J. Moore is a nice wide receiver, but he's a nice wide receiver, right? I mean, I think that the deal that they did wasn't too bad, right? Chicago got a nice little haul, and I know a lot of people were like, oh, man, they fleeced Carolina. I'm like, not really. I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was too bad. Uh, I thought it was going to be three first-round picks for sure. Instead, they throw D.J. Moore in there, and, I mean, I think the Raiders could have thrown in, you know, what, Hunter Renfro? Could have thrown him in there if they if they wanted to, or, or, or Darren Waller, one of the two, whatever they decide, you know, was the expendable guy. They could have done that. And, uh, and made that work and move up to number one. I, I think South Carolina made a hell of a move on Friday, taking control of the upcoming draft. So one of the things I thought was interesting from last offseason and then during the season is the moves of wide receivers, right? Tyree Kill goes to Miami, Devontae Adams comes to Vegas, A.J. Brown goes to Philly. And what we saw with Philly and Miami, who had young quarterbacks on rookie contracts, have big breakout seasons – they had two star receivers to throw the ball to. And if you're the Raiders, do you try to copy that? Do you try to find another star wide receiver, uh, probably through the draft, since this year's free agent class isn't very good? Or do you have confidence that whoever your quarterback is, it's going to work because you have Devontae Adams, and then you sort of have a second tier of Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller? I think that you have to find a guy that can stretch the field. That's that's really been my, my biggest concern when it comes to the Raiders and their wide receiver core. I know that Devontae is fantastic, put up crazy numbers, and had suspect quarterback play at times uh, last season. But, man, if you can get a guy that can really stretch the field, similar to what a Henry Ruggs could do before, obviously, Henry Ruggs' uh, situation happened. But I'm looking at a guy like Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee. I know he's uh, a really good wide receiver at Tennessee, but he's not really polished for the NFL. But the one thing he is is fast. And so he could just run, 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 and they could stretch the field with him and open up everything else for a Darren Waller, for a Hunter Renfro underneath, 
Devontae Adams obviously is going to get open. I think that's the element that they are missing. Uh, they need to go and get back to that. So J- Jalen Hyatt or someone like that is someone that I think that they should focus in on the draft and try to get that speed in the wide receiver room. We haven't talked about another position of need, which is offensive line. Uh, more free agency or draft? Um, I think that they can kick the tires in free agency. You know, there's a couple guys out there that may be available. Uh, I think Orlando Brown in Kansas City, I think he's, I think he honestly should be right tackle instead of left tackle, but I know he wants to play the left tackle position, so he probably would be out. Maybe a Jawan Taylor from Jacksonville uh, or a Caleb McGarry from uh, Atlanta. Those are two guys. Uh, Jawan's 25, Caleb is 28. So I think that they're fine as far as their age goes. Um, you know, but there's also some, some offensive linemen that you can get in the draft and, and have a potential to, to have a nice book in with uh, Colton Miller for years to come. So I think that you could kind of mix and match, maybe kick the tires on a couple of the tackles right now in, uh, in free agency. So what they can't have is the problem that they had last year where, I mean, how many weeks do we keep talking about it? Hey, they're going to add an offensive lineman at some point, right? And they just never did. And it was like, what are you doing? So at some point they have to add competition, at least in that room. So when they eliminate someone, maybe they'll eliminate someone pretty decent. You know, and then they won't be stuck trying to rotate five, six, seven weeks into the season with different guys because they haven't got the five that mix or that, that match yet. So I think that they have to go ahead and at least add competition to that room immediately. He is Q Myers. It's Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio from 2 to 5 every day. And Q, I look forward to Jimmy Garoppolo signing with the Raiders just for you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Tyler. I know you do. <laughs> Thanks, Q. Thanks, Q. Appreciate you guys. Uh, so there's Q Myers again, two to five on Raider Nation Radio every day. Uh, big Jimmy Garoppolo fan. I was just going to say we have him on the phone. We should have talked about how hot it is in the room because he's our boss. <laughs> we need we need some air conditioning in here. <laughs> air conditioning. Just get our studio ready to go. It'll be great. All right, coming up next, we'll stick with the NFL because the Panthers are now drafting first overall. Hey, Rod. Little bit of chemistry here. What are we doing, A-Rod? Stay tuned. Stay tuned? How long we got to wait? Well, I think it won't be long. There's a time time limit for all this. Can I break the news? We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. We'll talk about Aaron Rodgers when he finally figures out where he's playing football, which, by the way, should probably be soon because free agency, uh, well... A lot of people think it might be today. The legal tampering period starts today. Central. Yeah. Could, could learn before we get off the show. Could. I doubt it. Highly doubt it. 10-02. Yeah, uh, 10-02 Aaron, Aaron Rodgers will, will be traded to the Jets. Or return to the Packers or, say, go into the XFL. Who knows what he's going well, to decide to do. The could use him. <laughs> does, uh, does anyone else love this day purely because of how many people get got by Adam Schefter? It's a good day. Um, the Panthers, though. Traded up to number one in the NFL draft. They gave the Bears uh, number nine in this current draft, number 61, so a late second rounder in the 2023 draft, plus a future first and a future second, and their top wide receiver, DJ Moore. DJ Moore has three seasons with 1,100 or more yards. Last year only had 888, um, but he's now going to Chicago to pair up with Justin Fields. From a Raiders standpoint... Should they have made a trade like that? Two ones, two twos, and... Hunter Renfro? I think DJ Moore's better than Renfro. If I'm the Bears, I'm taking DJ Moore over Hunter Renfro, but that's a comparable situation. We've talked about this. If you have fallen in love with a guy and you think he's your future and you can get him on that rookie deal and you think he's going to be great, 
then I would have made the deal. If you've completely fallen in love with the guy, and obviously I think Carolina has. Who it is, we have no idea. But I mean, right. if you if you think that you have a franchise up quarterback, for Levis. you know, yeah. <laughs> if you Levis think first. you have a franchise quarterback in the draft, and you can get him on that rookie deal, and he can be like some of these guys that we've seen um, come forward in the last few years in that in that position. I really don't have a problem with it. No, I don't have a problem with it. The only the only real problem from the Panther standpoint is they do not have a receiver for <laughs> for their new quarterback to throw the ball to. Like I, Lavisca Chenault might be one of their best receivers at the moment, and in free agency this year there are not good wide receivers. Jacoby Myers is projected as the best free agent wide receiver. Odell Beckham coming off. ACL surgery surgery. might actually end up being the best free tryouts in Arizona. So for the Panthers weapon wise for their rookie, it's probably going to be pretty tough next year. Uh, So whoever they take first overall, I actually don't think is going to have that great of a season. Uh, Maybe the next year, if they're able to get some guys in there, that's the only real issue with it there. But I do think it's not a crazy huge package to go get the number one pick when you're taking a quarterback, especially if that quarterback turns out to be great, any good at it, even if they're just okay, you're going to get four to five years of cheap, good quarterback play. That's great. Do you, CJ Stroud is considered the top option for the Panthers to take now. Does that make sense to you? Uh, Yeah. I mean, the way he threw at the combine, he apparently was great as a passer at the combine. He's not little like Bryce Young. I don't think they, I'm going to be surprised if they did that package for Bryce Young. I think it's C.J. Stroud. He's the safest option, right, C.J. Stroud is? Like, yeah, because of Bryce Young's size. Like, Anthony Richardson's the riskiest option, obviously. Right. everybody's with huge upside. Yeah, though. everybody's enamored with his physical traits, but he right. completed, like, 7% of his passes at Florida this past right. year. Wasn't very good. And Bryce Young might be good, but... He's also he's, little. He's little. He he's might not be little. He might not be good enough if you're that small. So I think CJ Stroud's the safest, uh, while also still having good si- upside. Yeah, significant upside. He's not completely just like a average no. quarterback. He could be really good. So I think it's a think a fair trade, trade overall. Um, and the Bears, they did pretty well too. They're going to get to add a few players over the next couple of years, and they got a legitimate wide receiver for Justin Fields. Um, the other quarterback news. The Tampa Bay Bucks are interested in Baker Mayfield. According to Ian Rappaport, when free agency begins, the Bucks are expected to target Baker Mayfield as a potential starting quarterback option. Let me ask you this. Would you do it if you're the Raiders over Jimmy G? Oh, man. Over Jimmy G? I mean, it's the same question we've had for weeks now. How much is Jimmy G getting? If Jimmy Garoppolo is signing a one-year deal for less than $20 million, Give me Jimmy Garoppolo over Baker Mayfield. But if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get a multi-year deal he with wants thirty million a year, then give me Baker Mayfield because I'm assuming okay. Mayfield's not signing for more than twenty. No, I feel like twenty would be the max on Mayfield, and that's even if you told him you're our starter. Right. I still doubt he'd get significantly more than twenty. But here's the interesting part with Baker Mayfield: his career PFF ranks eleventh best quarterback in the league as a rookie, then seventeenth and eighth. But these last two years, 30th and 37th. If he goes to Tampa, or if he came here, because you can make the same argument based on the because receivers. he has receivers. Is it crazy be, to think he's a top 15 quarterback again next year? I think he'd be better than 30 and 37th with Devontae so. Adams and Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. be tough if he top wasn't. Top 15? 
I'm not so sure about that. I think he'd be right on the edge of that. Would you? If he's if he's, if he's got, got those kind receivers, of receivers. Yeah. I mean, Evans and Godwin in Tampa are both very good. And then right. here, obviously, Adams and then Renfro and Waller, however much they play. Uh, <laughs> I think I think he could be a solid NFL quarterback. But my question is, in, in both situations, the Bucs and the Raiders, what are you trying to accomplish if Baker Mayfield is your quarterback? Getting the guy you drafted ready, and uh, <laughs> hopefully Baker Mayfield can get you through five or six games. Because signing Baker Mayfield, you're not winning a Super Bowl. Maybe no. Tampa could win their division, so they're in a little bit different spot than the Raiders. But like, you're not giving yourself a very high ceiling with that guy. But also, you're not really tanking because the guy's a little too good to be right. a true tank job. Right. It just seems like you're really trying. You're trying really, really hard to go nine and eight. Is what that feels like to me. And maybe you're right. Maybe they sign Baker and they end up with Anthony Richardson and they're like, well, we don't want to start Anthony Richardson right now. But we'll start Baker for a while. Even then, just bring Stidham back, right? Wouldn't that be a better right. option? Yes. So it's just, I think he would make Mayfield would be a fine quarterback for either team next year. I just don't get what the goal would be if you sign him as the Raiders or the Bucks. So, well, the Raiders are in it for the long haul now. Tyler. The, the long term vision. They've yeah, had that not, the whole time, it's haven't not they? Win now. 